announcement from Real Cream. Finally, someone has reinvented the wheel. Hey, uh, you tuned into the ravings of a clown on Chester Radio. <laughs> Don't argue with the ball. Roger, we'll go. It's as good as done. The complete solution for your home PC. Motherfucker. Hey, good evening. Welcome to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio. Tuesday, February the 26th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Schwing. Hello, my, Hello, name, my name is Jimmy, Jimmy Pop, and, and I'm a dumb white guy. Come on in, have a seat. Sit down, sit down, make yourself to home. Props to my hope cause she fly but I can take the heat cause I'm the other yeah. white meat known yeah. as Kid Funky Shadow Man. Yeah. I'm hung like planet Pluto, hard to see with the naked eye, but if I crashed into your Got my tea, I would stick it where the sun don't shine. Cause I'm drinking that green tea. Solo, always stroking my own Show those oxidants who's boss. You can go, my The roof. The roof is on fire. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. The roof, the roof, Calling all ships at sea. Is on fire. We don't need no water. Let the motherfucker burn. Burn, motherfucker. Dun, dun, dun. All right. You know, that's what you get when you call uh, Just Radio uh, and this. There's no uh, buddy there at the reception desk. You get to hear a little, uh, <laughs> a little bloodhound gang. Hey, you tuned into the Rovings of the Claim this Tuesday, February the twenty-sixth, the year of our Lord two thousand and eight. Hanging with my uh, buds uh, Lulu and Espo and Uncle Jay, Professor Jay, and Sid the Neighbor, the world famous Sid the Neighbor, whose name is spoken in over one hundred and thirty-seven countries each and every evening. Why not stop by and say hi to the crowd? If you can squeeze your way in. 
Such a show we have for you this evening, as Grandma Jester would say, featuring Elvis Presley, The Searchers, Dusty Springfield, so much more. And we're going to take a look at what's going on in that sick fucking world of yours. And, yes, more of what's happening in that sick fucking world of mine, because it is, in fact, just in my world. Because somebody said something to me the other day. Um, you know, uh, they were mentioning to me how they were invited over somebody's house. And I said, wow, man, you know, I've been calling that guy. <laughs> Like every other week, you know, he just lost his wife, and his uh, uh, sh she didn't get lost at the mall. I mean, she died. I hate these those stupid euphemisms for dying, passing away, and losing. And she died. And I've been calling him, you know, regularly to see if he wants to get together for a drink, or if he wants a little company, or just to sort of check in. So she says to me, she's going over dinner. And I said, "Oh man, I've been trying to get through." And she says, "What is everything about you?" <laughs> And I just felt like saying, you know, when I'm in the room, yes, everything is about me. What can I tell you? Um, but uh, it's all in my head because, in fact, the guy not inviting me to dinner had nothing to do with me at all. He, him inviting the person that he did invite was about him, not about me. Nothing's about me. I got to keep reminding myself. And the fact that I have to keep reminding myself, that's where the... You see what I'm saying? The brain, the mental defect is. Because I am just sure everything is happening because of me. Are you the same way? Uh, I bet you are. Uh, so we're going to talk about that and all this shit that I'm in. Maybe you got some ideas and suggestions. And if you do, feel free to give us a call anytime. Uh, the number is 646-502-8600. Jot that down. 646-502-8600. Now, I hear what you're thinking. I know what you're saying. I know what's going on in that sick head of yours. You're thinking to yourself, this is one of these, like, 900 numbers where they get you to, like, call the Bermuda, and then they charge you, like, 750 bucks a minute. Au contraire. This is actually just a regular um, a phone, a forwarding spot in downtown Manhattan, New York City, where it gets uh, forwarded to us, to our secret location. So... Fear not. If it's, in fact, you're running on evening hours now on your cell phone, then pick it up and give us a call. It's free. 646-502-8600, whatever you got on your mind, uh, anything you got to say, uh, we're happy to hear from you. Time now to turn our attention to the headlines in a secret location high atop the Just Radio studio. <laughs> Oh my God. Tastes just like pussy. In an about face, Senate Republicans today agreed with Democrats to advance an anti war bill because they said the debate would give them time to hail progress in Iraq. You with me so far? The change of heart came after months of blocking similar measures. But unlike most of last year's security conditions in Iraq have improved, and Republicans say they now feel they have the upper hand on the debate. Are you still with me? We welcome a discussion about Iraq. These people have their heads so far up their asses. They are drinking their own fucking Kool-Aid. So much to the extent that they're now believing things are improving and that they're going to like win out on a debate. This is the country where 26% of the people approve of what the president is doing in Iraq. So they're going to win the debate now because... Uh, you know, 
there have been some minuscule improvements. I'm still hearing about people. Yesterday, 50 people uh, died in a, a roadside bomb. The measure by Democrat uh, Senators uh, Russ Feingold of Wisconsin and Majority Leader Harry Reid of Nevada would cut off money for combat after 120 days. It had been expected to fall short of the 60 votes needed to overcome a procedural hurdle and move ahead, but after Republicans agreed in a private meeting that the debate could help make their case, the Senate voted 70 to 24 to begin debating it in earnest. Aides said a final vote could come later this week, but maybe pushed into next week. So who knows? I mean, one thing we do know is whatever the politicians say is horseshit. So if they're saying that they're now willing to come to the table to debate Iraq because they think they're going to win the argument, and that's just their excuse because they're coming to the table because they know they have to. Otherwise, they'll be obviated in the next election then obviously they have to save face. They have to say, oh, yeah, we're just coming to the table because we know we can win the argument this time. And they can't say we're, you know, they're going to join the debate because they think they're going to lose. That they can't say. But in fact, they may. And they may, you know, in the next week say, well, in the interest of blah, 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 and uh, bipartisanship and blah, 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 and we're going along with it. And this could be a real troop reduction. It could be. It could begin uh, uh, the process of you know drawing down. After Republicans agreed in private, uh, aides said a final vote could come later next week. The White House said the president would veto such a measure. There you go. There you go. The president will just give it that stamp. No, this legislation would substitute the political judgment of legislators for the considered professional military judgment of our military commanders. The administration said in the statement. You know, nothing more disingenuous than that. It's just like them saying um, that, uh, you know, we have to stop the porn because of the children, For you know, for God's sake. They always come up with some bullshit. Uh, substitute the political judgment of legislators for the uh, considered professional military judgment of military commanders. Let's be perfectly clear. The military commanders in Iraq are not there because they have chosen to be there, and that's their chosen strategy. They're there at the pleasure of the commander-in-chief of the United States who's ordered them there. So, of course, they do this for a living, so, so they're not likely to report to the president that it's hopeless. Their report will always include some sort of optimistic view. Uh, if only we can get this or that under control, uh, hoping in the next several months we can turn this or that around and see improvements. And that, the president then holds that up and says, here, the generals say we should stay there now. If you want to substitute political bullshit for what the actual generals say, yeah. Since when do the generals make foreign policy? Generals carry out foreign policy. So we don't take advice from our generals as to whether or not we should be in Iraq. We tell them to go, and then we take their advice on how to win in Iraq. So it's such a specious argument. Democrats said that they welcome the debate, although they accuse Republicans of standing on plans to debate other issues, namely the nation's housing crisis. Reid said a civil war rages in Iraq and shouldn't be the responsibility of U.S. taxpayers. Americans need to start taking care of Americans, he said. We cannot spend a half billion dollars every day in Iraq. And by the way, um, I've been hearing this argument a lot lately 
go, you know, ro- uh, going around um, that if we pull out now, um, you know, this is sort of like a backdoor argument, like how the church tried for years to get nobody to use birth control, and then finally they just said, oh, you know, and there's a report that just came out that uh, all the uh, condoms come from the factory with little holes stuck in them by uh, disgruntled employees. So they're not even working. They just make shit up when their real argument doesn't work. So we have this argument now, um, you know, going around uh, that if we pull out of Iraq, there's going to be, Iraq is going to turn into this haven. It's so chaotic and so disorganized with no central power that it's going to be a magnet for all the wackos and all the lunatics and all of the terrorists um, in the world to come to one spot. First of all, bullshit. Okay, they're not that organized. Second of all, would twer that it were. Imagine having all the bad people in the world in one fucking spot. I got a strategy for that. See who would disagree. In recent months, violence in Iraq has subsided significantly, and the Baghdad government has made small steps towards political reconciliation, including plans to hold provincial elections on uh, October 1st. While Democratic voters remain largely against the war, polls have shown the security improvement has helped to cool anxiety among Republicans and uh, turn voters' fo- focus to economic plans at home. So uh, it's taking, they, the, the Republicans feel that it's, it's taking the heat off of them somewhat. But I don't see how. It's still, you know, our lead story every single night, and I think it's what most people in America are thinking about every single day, even more than the economy. Hillary Rodham Clinton and Barack Obama blamed each other for spreading false information about their respective health care plans today uh, in high-stakes debate one week before a quartet of primaries. Senator Obama has consistently said, I would not force people to have health care whether they can afford it or not, said Clinton, insisting it wasn't true. Responding quickly, Obama countered that former first lady had consistently claimed that his plan would leave 15 million people uh, uninsured, I dispute that. I think it is inaccurate, he said. By the way, not for nothing, Hillary Clinton w- w- was intending to be, when she was running with her, pre- uh, with her husband for president, she was intending to be the health care first lady. And really the political machine in Washington spurned her, probably because she's a tough bitch. And that's tough for people to take. They're uncomfortable with that. They, they, you, you would hear people, you know, pick on Hillary Clinton and you'd say, why do you hate her? And they wouldn't tell you, oh, it's because she said this or that opinion about something that I disagree with. They would say, I, I don't like the way she looks. I don't like that look on her face. I don't like that, you know, like this really weird ass shit they'd complain about. Which leads you to believe that it's something else is bothering them, something more primal uh, than reason. Because she is a turnoff. Let's face it. She's not a hot babe. She's not an attractive woman. She's not, but she's very intelligent. She seems to be mostly honest. And she's very experienced, especially in this healthcare thing. And I have read through her healthcare plan, and it's doable. I'm not really for universal healthcare. I'm for tiny government. I'm a libertarian. But, um,. Obama's plan does, in fact, leave out millions and millions, maybe not 15 million, but hers is better. It's well thought. It's more well thought out, and it's um, better. The two rivals, survivors of a grueling primary season, sat next to one another at a table 
on stage at Cleveland State University. Clinton also said as far as she knew, her, her campaign had nothing to do with circulating that photograph of Obama wearing a white turban and the a wraparound white robe. Um, we reported on this yesterday. He went to uh, Kenya and he was um, presented a robe, traditional garb, by the elders of Wajir, a town in Kenya where his ancestors came from. Man, you know, if it were you, you'd put on the fucking garb. You wouldn't say, no, I'm afraid that someday I'll run for president. I don't want people to see me wearing a turban. <laughs> and by the way, it's not that kind of turban. The Gossip and News website, the Drudge Report, posted the photograph on Monday and said without substantiation that it was being circulated by Clinton staffers. We have no evidence where it came from, Clinton said, making clear that uh, that's not the kind of behavior she wants in her campaign. Horseshit. They're both playing dirty pool, and they're both spending way too much time talking about what the other one did and said and lied about. Let the other one lie and let the uh, press and the public weed it out. We really don't need you to point out uh, where your uh, opponent's flaws lie. Because, you know, it just seems like it's self-serving when you say it. Why don't politicians ever get that? Republican John McCain, meanwhile, quickly denounced the comments of a radio talk show host while warming up a campaign crowd referred repeatedly to Barack Hussein Obama and called the Democratic presidential candidate a hack, Chicago-style. Uh, Hussein is Obama's middle name, but talk show host Bill Cunningham used it three times as he addressed the crowd before the likely Republican nominee's appearance. Now we have a hack Chicago-style daily politician who's picturing himself as change. When he gets done with you, all you're going to have in your pocket is change. <laughs> this is like classic, you know, Republican jibber-jabber. You know, watch out for those Democrats. They'll steal you blind with their... Uh, um, you know, programs giving away, you know, cheese to poor people. Let's stick with the Republicans and spend half a billion dollars a day, more than that, $600 million a day on a phony war. And it won't come out of our taxes because we'll just charge it to our grandchildren. The time will come, Cunningham added, within the, uh, when the liberal-leaning media will peel the bark off Barack Hussein Obama and tell the truth about his relationship with indicted fundra fundraiser uh, Antoine Tony Rezco and how Obama got sweetheart deals in Chicago. McCain wasn't on stage. By the way, talk about the pot calling the kettle black. Republicans making sweetheart deals? Please. McCain wasn't on stage or, as he says in the building when Cunningham made the comments, but he quickly distanced himself from the radio talk show host after finishing his speech. McCain spoke to a couple of hundred people at Memorial Hall in downtown Cincinnati. Again, such bullshit. I'm so sick of these politicians um, wa washing their hands and feet of the, everything that everybody says about them. There's a guy who introduced him at his own speech, and he's saying he has nothing to do with it. He doesn't stand behind what the guy said. Bullshit. It's enough. This is why we got to get rid of parties, because people just support their um, their candidate based on the party they belong to. Uh, and uh, you have all these resources where people are willing to do things uh, that you're, you know, take no responsibility for and say, oh, yeah, they said that, but, you know, I had nothing to do. I would never do that. But meanwhile, the damage is done. The guy got up and said, oh, uh, uh, Barack Hussein Obama over and over again, as if to imply that he's what? A an Arab? A terrorist? A Muslim? You know, come out and say it. 
McCain said he didn't know who decided to allow Cunningham to speak. He didn't even know who decided. It's his campaign. He has no idea. But he said he's sure it was um, in the coordination with his campaign. He said he didn't hear the comments, has never met Cunningham. But, quote, I will certainly make sure that nothing like that happens again. Sure you will, John. You can't make sure that nothing like that happens you can just make sure nothing like that happens again. Because who ever heard of somebody speaking, you know, out of place in a campaign? Uh, uh, I, I guess, you know, that speech that you sit down with all your campaign managers at the beginning of the campaign and say, uh, hey, let's, you know, keep it clean, guys. Uh, I guess he forgot to make that one. Hey, you're on the Ravings of a Clown this Tuesday, February the 26th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Meanwhile, why, just your humble host, your old pal, the Jester, hanging with Sid the Neighbor, S. Poe, Professor J. Lulu in the Jester Radio chat room. Stop by and say hi. It's four in the morning, the end of December. I'm writing you now just to see if you're better. New York is cold, but I like where I'm living. And there's music on Clinton Street all through the evening. Don't check your calendar. It's Leonard Cohn on JR. Please don't fuck with that dial. You're tuned into the ravings of a clown coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. It's four in the morning, the end of December I'm writing you now just to see if you're better New York is cold, but I like where I'm living There's music on Clinton Street all through the evening I hear that you're building your little house deep in the desert you're living for nothing now i hope you're keeping some kind of record yes and jane came by with a lock of your she said that you gave it to her That night that you planned to go clear Did you ever go clear? Oh, the last time we saw you You looked so much older your famous blue raincoat was torn at the shoulder You'd been to the station to meet every train Then you came home without Lily Marlene And you treated my woman To a flake of your life When she came back She was nobody's wife Well, I see you There with a rose in your teeth One more 
watch the cars I fear I'll do some damage one fine day But I would not be convicted by jury of my peers Still crazy sit by my window and I watch the cars go by and I fear I'll do some damage one fine day <laughs> but I would not be convicted by a jury of my peers still crazy after all these years Paul Simon on Jester Radio we heard from uh, Leonard Cohn before that and famous blue raincoat what can I tell you my brother my killer what can I possibly say I guess and I miss you. I guess I forgive you. I'm glad you stood in my way. Credible song written as a letter. Um, last line is sincerely El Cohn. And so he's sort of keeping an old friend up to date on what he's been up to. And apparently we learned from the story that his previous lover is now living with this person that he's writing to. And uh, interestingly, you know, he sort of... Uh, at one point says, um, you know, I never did get around to thanking you uh, for, you know, taking that look from her eyes, that sadness from her eyes. I thought it was there for good, so I never tried. Beautiful line. Uh, an earthquake uh, struck Britain, by the way. You tune into the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. It's Tuesday, February the 26th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Uh, there was this big earthquake in uh, Manchester, England. Felt across large parts of the country. No injuries or damage were immediately reported. The 4.7 magnitude quake st struck at 1 a.m. was centered about 125 miles north of London, according to the U.S. Geological Survey. It was like a huge freight train outside the front door. Sky's news reporter, Luquessa Barak, reported from Leicestershire. In central England, the entire house seemed to shake. Many other people in southern, central, and northern England reported feeling their homes shaken by the earthquake in a country where such tremors are uncommon. Man, you imagine there was a lot of like people screaming, crikey, or, or like blimey, probably. <laughs> what do they say? Bloody hell! A relatively minor glitch in Florida's electrical grid somehow triggered a chain reaction today that caused a nuclear plant to shut down and briefly cut power in patches from Daytona Beach to the Florida Keys. Up to three million people, about a fifth of Florida's population, lost power at various points this afternoon. Though there were no safety concerns at the nuclear plant, while many areas were hit hard, the outages were short-lived. And only about 20,000 people lacked electricity during the evening commute home. Most of the evening outages were due to bad weather, not the grid problem, officials said. An equipment malfunction in a substation near Miami disabled two power distribution lines between Miami and Daytona Beach. And in response, Florida's power and lighting turnkey point nuclear pa uh, plant uh, south of Miami stopped operating about 1 p.m., according to the uh, uh, spokesman for the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. The utility was trying to determine what caused equipment failure and a fire at the substation, but the company said it was not the kind of problem that should have created the widespread blackouts. So someone's going to get in trouble. 
Commuter, uh, a computer, I should say, expert who worked at the White House provided the first look inside its email system today, calling it a primitive setup that created a high risk that data would be lost. Well, why is this not a surprise? These guys are all fucking talk and no walk. Stephen McDevitt's written statements placed in the public record at a congressional hearing asserted that a study by White House technical staff in October 2005 turned up an estimated 1,000 days on which, on, on which email is missing. 1,000 days. Three solid years of email missing. Two federal laws require electronic messages to be preserved. Two federal laws. So either they're hiding something and they're making it look like they just had, they're just bumbling keystone cops uh, or they're, they're hiding something. That was choice one and three. Before the House Oversight and Government Reform Committees, the White House defended the Bush administration's handling of its electronic messages. We're very energized about getting to the bottom of this, testified Teresa Payton, Chief Information Officer at the White House Office of Administration. That's what they do. This is their classic fucking move. Every time they're busted at something, they come forward right away and they go, yeah, no, we're totally anxious to get that fixed. And hopefully down the road, sometime in the future, not too far off, we're going to fix that up. And we're committed to it. And we have a program in the works and several programs that are being developed as we speak. This is a form of sandbagging, replied Oversight Committee Chairman Henry Waxman, who pointed out that by the time the White House fixes its email problems, you'll be out of office. In his written statements, McDevitt said he participated in meetings with White House counsel Harriet Myers and members of her staff. The meetings in December 2005 and uh, early 2006 occurred around the time McDevitt and other technical staffers were trying to determine how much email was missing from the White House. In a report presented at the hearing, Waxman's Democratic staff uh, said difficulties arose in recovering emails for special counsel Patrick Fitzgerald in the CIA leak probe. Hmm. Imagine that. Fitzgerald publicly disclosed the fact that the White House had an email problem in early 2006, right around the time they were, that a congressional subcommittee, incidentally, was trying to get a hold of those very emails. There was no archived emails from the office of Vice President Dick Cheney from September 2003 to October 2003. Just as the Justice Department was launching its investigation into whether anyone at the White House leaked Valerie Plame's CIA identity. Where you go. According to documents provided by the House panel, the only emails that could be recovered for prosecutors were from the personal email accounts of officials in Cheney's office, which means nothing. So all these emails that go missing, coincidentally, uh, happen to be emails that other people are looking to get a hold of. Go figure. You know, please don't be so cynical about this that you shrug your shoulders and go, of course, yeah, what else? Obviously, all politicians lie and they all lie. Please don't be. Because this is really not the way to hold an, you know, transparent government and to hold these people accountable. You, you really do have to, you know, whip yourself into feeling outraged. Yet again, I know it's, I know it's hard. A killer who you got to keep the revolution alive, at least in, you know, inside your heart. A killer who sued to have a sex change uh, claims that her body is becoming more masculine again because she's being denied treatment in prison 
as she awaits a ruling in her bid for the surgery. Michelle Kosalek, formerly known as Robert, said that for months she has not been allowed to have court-approved hair removal treatments or access to a specialist to discuss her testosterone levels. <laughs> My breasts have shrunk. Genitals have regained previous size and function. Mm, that's a little too much information. Facial hair is thicker. Scalp hair is thinner, all related to an elevated testosterone level. Kolasek said in a handwritten letter submitted to the court recently, Robert Kolasek was sentenced to life in prison in the 1990 murder of his wife. He said that the slaying was self-defense after she poured boiling tea on his genitals. Ooh. Kosalek, 58, who legally changed her name to Michelle in 1993 and has been living as a woman, first sued the Department of Correction in 2000, saying its refusal to allow her to have sex change surgery violates the Eighth Amendment protection under cruel and unusual punishment. They're punishing her by not allowing her. I wonder who had to pay. In 2002, U.S. District Judge Mark Wolf ruled that Kosalek was entitled to treatment for, gen- for uh, gender identity disorder, including hormone treatments, laser hair removal, and psychotherapy, but stopped short of ordering sex reassignment surgery. Kosalek sued again in 2005, saying the treatments were not enough to relieve her anxiety and depression. I would not want to continue existing like this. The fact that he, she, or it was in jail had nothing to do with that. The trial lasted on and off from May uh, of 06 until March of 07 with expert testimony from 10 doctors, psychiatrists, psychotherapists. Uh, an Associated Press review last year found that the Corrections Department and its outside health care provider had spent more than $52,000 on experts to testify about the surgery, which would have cost about $20,000. But they were looking at the long term. Though the testimony ended about a year ago, Wolf has given no indication when he will rule, which is uh, being closely watched nationwide by advocates for other inmates who want to undergo sex change operations. Transgender inmates in other states have sued prison officials, but none have persuaded a judge to order a sex change operation. Not sure how, you know, I understand they, they, they say that this gender disorder, uh, a gender identity disorder is a real disease, so I'm not going to mock it because I don't really know, and I can't relate to it. God forbid, in addition to all the problems I already have, imagine if I woke up one day and I thought I, you know, when I looked down between my legs, I expected to find a vagina, and instead I, there was a penis. I could only, I could barely imagine the horror. So if that's really what these people are going through, and it's a torture to live as a, you know, and, and we have the science and the technology to flip them over to the other side, I say fucking do it, man. Who's it, who, who's it hurting? And even though, you know, we're talking about a freebie for a prisoner, you know, it's related to a mental disorder. It's not related to, you know, like they want a bigger TV or something. Obviously, not everybody can just come forward and say, I want surgery. You know, she, she had to get some doctor to sign off and say she's really got some kind of, you know, mental, uh, you know, wacko disorder. I don't know. What do you think? 646-502-8600. You think the government should pay for sex change operations to uh, convert uh, guys? I don't know. Does that ever happen, by the way, uh, with um, chicks? You really don't hear that a lot, do you? Not that they dress up as guys. That You see that a lot. But uh, 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 do you ever see where they get the penis added on? And how the fuck does that work? Holy McGillicuddy. I had a friend, by the way, who's a doctor, 
and he was the do- he was the resident doctor at a major metropolitan airport, um, the Newark Airport, which is a big New York City area um, airport, very busy. And th- this woman was coming through, and he had to check inside her vagina for drugs because uh, it was a guy who had recently uh, had surgery. And he had all these bandages around his her new pussy. She was just coming home from having the surgery in some other city. So he, you know, the customs, uh, uh, you know, said this woman's got to be examined for some reason. And he had to remove all her bandages and look at this brand new, and not just look at it, but look inside of this brand new, hot off the presses, you know, newly uh, uh, create, crafted vagina. And he told me it was a work of art. He said not only was it a surgical work of art, but it was just like one of the most fucking perfect pussies he'd ever seen in his life. And it didn't look phony and it didn't look funky. And inside it was all correct. Can you imagine? You, you, there's a place inside a guy's body where you can put a vagina and, oh, my God. It boggles the imagination. Imagine what we're going to have next. <laughs> Forget about people switching from one sex to another. What about just adding shit, you know, anywhere? What if I want another dick on my arm so I could fuck two broads at the same time? How would that be? Now you're talking. We can get some, uh, we can get pretty creative. I can think of a couple of additions. What about if you had got an extra dick on top of your regular dick? So you could do one chick in the ass and one chick, I don't know, I'm going to figure it out. But there's got to be something going on with that. Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio. It's Tuesday. The date is some date. Uh, hanging with Sid the Neighbor, Espo, Uncle Jay, Louie in the Jester Radio chat room. Oh, and yours truly as well. Why not stop by? By the way, there's a really cool feature in the Jester Radio chat room if you have a, um, a moment to stop by and say hi to the gang. Um, when you type in your name... You can also put in a little something, something about yourself. And um, you could put in like a little, you know, couple of words about yourself. And that'll show up when somebody clicks on your name. And if you put in a URL in that space, it actually turns into a link in the chat room. How do you like them apples? So like if you click on, for example, uh, S. Poe, he's got a, a, a profile that says, I built my house out of sticks. You know, I have no even idea what that means, but... Every single night, whatever he puts in there cracks me up. Uncle Jay says, doing better than I deserve. And uh, so if you want to check out the Jester's profile, you got to stop by. Skype us in at Jester Radio. That's our Skype name. You can also give us a call. Get live on the air with uh, your old pal. 646-502-8600. I don't know what it is that makes me love you so. I only know I never want to let you go. It's Dusty on JR. Please don't fuck with that dial. It gets good right now.
the snow flies On a cold and gray Chicago morning A poor little baby child is born in the ghetto In the ghetto And his mama cries Cause if there's one thing she don't need Is another hungry mouth to feed in the ghetto Well, don't you understand Your child needs a helping hand He'll grow to be an angry young man someday Take a look at you and me Are we too blind to see Do we simply turn our heads And look the other way Well, the world turns Every little boy with a runny nose Plays in the street as the cold wind blows in the ghetto In the ghetto And his hunger burns So he starts to roam the streets at night And he learns how to steal and he learns how to fight in the ghetto Then one night in desperation, the young man breaks away. He buys a gun, he steals a car, tries to run, but he don't get far, and his mama cries. As a crowd gathers round, an angry young man face down in the street with a gun in his hand in the ghetto. And as her young man On a cold and gray Chicago morning Another little baby child is born In the ghetto And his mama cries cold and gray Chicago morn, another little baby child is born in the ghetto. It's uh, Elvis the Pelvis on Jester Radio. Dusty Springfield, before that, I only want to be with you. That's all. Doesn't matter where you go or what you do, I want to spend each moment of the day with you. Look what's happened with just one kiss. I never knew that I could be in love like this. It's crazy, but it's true. I only want to be with you. Maybe the finest female singing voice in the history of rock and roll, right there, Dusty Springfield. That's what um, I heard Elton John say that in an interview one time, and I thought to myself, man, he's got a fucking point there. Drug-resistant tuberculosis is uh, spreading even faster than medical experts had feared. The World Health Organization warned in a report issued today the rate of TB patients infected with the drug-resistant strain topped 20% in some countries, the highest ever recorded. Ten years ago, it would have been unthinkable to see rates like this, said Dr. Mario Ravaglioni, director of WHO's Stop TB department. This demonstrates what happens when you keep making mistakes in TB treatment. Though the report is the largest survey of a drug-resistant TB based on information collected between 2002 and 2006, there are still major gaps. Data were only available 
from about half the world's countries. In Africa, where experts are particularly worried about a lethal collection, uh, uh, collision, I should say, between TB and AIDS, only six countries provided information. So who knows what's going on there? We really don't know about the situation in, in Africa. Ravaglioni said, if multidrug-resistant TB has penetrated Africa and coincides with AIDS, there's bound to be a disaster. Ravaglioni said it was uh, likely that pa patients, even entire outbreaks of, uh, of drug-resistant TB, were being missed. Experts uh, only worry about the spread of XDR-TB, or extensively drug-resistant TB, a strain virtually untreatable in poor countries. When an XTBR uh, outbreak, uh, TB outbreak was identified in AIDS patients in South Africa in 2006, it killed every patient within weeks. WHO's report said XDR-TB has now been found in 45 countries. Globally, there are about 500,000 new cases of drug-resistant TB every year, about 5% of the 9 million new TB cases. In the United States, 1.2% of TB cases were multi-drug-resistant. Of those, 1.9 were extensively drug-resistant. The highest rates of drug-resistant TB were in Eastern Europe, uh, nearly a quarter of all TB cases in Baku, Azerbaijan, were drug-resistant, followed by 20% in Moldova, 16% in Dansk, Ukraine. High rates of drug-resistant TB were also found in China and India, the world's two most populous nations that together are home to half the world's cases. Well, you know what happens. This is uh, Conway's law. Um, when, you know, areas become overpopulated, they kill, you know, they, they tend to... Uh, uh, die out in big quantities too, and that's you know populations go through cycles like that. Uh, they'll become very overpopulated, and then something will break out and trim down the uh, numbers to a reasonable amount. Now I'm only saying that while simultaneously pointing out the fact that the higher rates we're finding are not in America. So let's just try and be, stick with me. Put two and two together here. If you're in America and it's more likely that there's a, some kind of terrible epidemic in a foreign country that can kill, you know, thousands and millions of people, is it better to be in America or not in America when that happens? There you go. So it could work out for all those involved, except, of course, the uh, dead people. Court documents show that Pamela Anderson is seeking an annulment rather than divorce from husband Rick Salmon, uh, Solomon. The actress is seeking to annul the two-month marriage based on fraud. No other details are available. Apparently, she looked down his pants. <laughs> and she said, what the fuck? Anderson's publicist did not immediately return an email request for comment today. In court papers filed in Los Angeles on Friday, Anderson asked the court not to award spousal support to keep her and Solomon's home, uh, income and property separate. Uh, yesterday, Anderson filed a, a request to have a retired judge handle the annulment proceedings, common practice in celebrity split-ups since it keeps pri matters private and out of the courts. Anderson and Solomon both are 40. They were married in um, October 6th in Las Vegas and separated on December 13th. So there you go. And they said it would never last. He was uh, best known for making a sex videotape with uh, then-girlfriend Paris Hilton, this guy, and he was previously married to uh, Shannon Dougherty. Anderson was previously married to Kid Rock and uh, the, uh, um, the guy from uh, Motley Crue with the tattoos, Tommy Lee. And uh, so 
There you go. She married the other sex tape guy. She was, she was the big sex tape. So maybe it was a uh, publicity stunt to get both their sex tapes hot again. Or maybe he was thinking that if he got, uh, you know, Pamela Anderson in bed and she consented to doing a videotape with him, holy moly. If you thought he made money on the on the uh, the, the, that skinny bitch, right? I don't know. Maybe it's just the enterpriser in me. Hey, you're listening to the ravings of a clown hanging in the Jester Radio chat room. Give us a call, 646-502-8600. Tell us what's on your mind. Don't be um, shy. 646-502-8600 or Skype in to Jester Radio. And as I... uh
inside a tear I forced to cry Deep inside the
maybe factual, maybe cruel, whatever you want to call it. Everybody plays the fool. How can you help it when the music starts to play and your ability to reason is swept away? Heaven on earth is all you see. You're losing touch with reality. And then, you know, this time around, you know, you cry, and then the next time around, someone cries for you. It's like that uh, brilliant line, really. Next time around, someone cries for you. Ain't that the fucking truth? And it's always somebody, you, you know, you don't give two shits about, just like the one that you're pining over. There's this great song by Jimmy Webb called Scissors Cut. You know how um, in rock, paper, scissor match, it's like a circle. You know, scissors cuts paper, paper covers rock, rock, you know. So it's like that in life, too, you know. You you break up with her, she breaks up with him, he, you know, goes running away. It's like a fucking chain reaction. All the relationships are all intermingulated. Here's an interesting uh, item. You know, I've been talking about this for a long time. My brother Neil was an anthropologist, and he always talked about how it was really not natural, you know, that we lived in, in clans, you know, 30 to 60 people for hundreds of thousands of years. And we, we evolved. Our equipment um, is based on that, you know, model. And only in the past few thousand years have we been in cities. And it's just not natural for us to see so many people. Our brain goes through, like, you know, uh, uh, just tremendous overload. The amount of people for, if somebody stands on a street corner in New York City and for an hour, they see the same number of people that a, a normally, you know, 10,000 years ago, you, you would see in your entire lifetime. And your brain has to form relationships with all these people. You're constantly worried, what are they thinking of you? What are you thinking of them? It's manageable in a small clan that you live with people day in and day out over a lifetime, but... To have to do with everybody you meet in life, it's overwhelming for our system. We're not built for that, uh, you know, type of uh, environment. Uh, the, what, what defines a virus is a um, a living creature that uses up, you know, its its own resources, uh, you know, to the point where it ends up, you know, killing itself, and that's what humans are on earth we're just becoming way overpopulated and we're using up all the resources and of course it's going to boomerang so here's the report that came out today um we got off the reuters feed half of the world by the end of 2008 half of the world's population will be living in a city by the end of this year one half of the world's population will be living in cities for the first time in human history the United Nations said in a new report released today, according to the report, by the year 2050, there will be 6.4 billion people living in cities, up from 3.3 billion at present. The world's total population is expected to rise to 9.2 billion in 2050 from the current 6.7. As urbanization increases, the world's rural population is, ex is expected to begin declining uh, in around a decade and, and should fall to 2.8 billion by uh, 2050 from 3.4 now so the 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 we're we're moving towards each other and and clumping up and we're leaving the rural areas more abandoned that's where i want to be find me a fucking place where you know the the ratio of human to land is you know much higher 
that we're not you know, fucking it's all standing shoulder to shoulder. It's like it's like being in an elevator. The world has turned into a fucking elevator or a Japanese subway car. As urbanization increases, uh, some countries like India, home to two of the world's biggest popular uh, uh, metropolises, Mumbai and uh, Delhi, with uh, 19 and 18.8 million people respectively uh, in 2007, aim to slow down the process of urbanization by encouraging development in rural areas. Duh. And, you know, now that we have this, um, you know, mesh, wireless mesh network, uh, um, I forget what it's called, like Airstream or something, you fucking take it out of the box. It's like, you know, the, the box itself has an embedded antenna. You plug it into your fucking network port and you're fucking, uh, you know, broadband. Bam. So now that we got this, you know, we should all be moving out to the country. That's where I want to be, man. I want to be in the fucking woods, man, you know, with a, a bunch of dogs, a lot of land, and a big fucking gate at the end of the long fucking driveway. The IRS is investigating the United Church of Christ over a speech that Senator Barack Obama gave at its national meeting last year after he became a candidate for president. How do you like that? Obama, a uh, Illinois Democrat, belongs to the 1.2 million member president uh, a, a, I should say Protestant group through his uh, Chicago congregation in a letter to the denomination received yesterday the IRS said reasonable belief exists that circumstances surrounding the speech violated restrictions on political activity for tax exempt organizations How, you know for some reason um, all of a sudden the IRS is starting to do this crackdown on phony baloney religious institutions they used to give everybody a pass uh, especially since the 80s and this whole, you know, wacko fucking uh, right-wing Republican, you know, thing co-opted the Republican Party. But it seems like now they're getting a little bit more, I don't know, fed up. Obama, member of Trinity United Church of Christ, spoke about faith and public life at the uh, denomination's June 2007 uh, General Synod in Hartford, Connecticut. The IRS said in the letter that it was concerned about articles posted on the church's website and other sites stating that Obama had addressed nearly 10,000 people at the event. The agency also said Obama volunteers had staffed campaign tables outside the center to promote his campaign. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You see, this is where they crossed the line, man. If it's a church, then stick to your fucking preaching. Talk about God. Tell the fucking sheep, I mean parishioners, uh, that, you know, uh, don't whack off. I mean, whatever the hell you talk about in there. But you just can't tell them who to vote for. Because if you do, then you got to pay taxes like everybody else. It's either one or the other. Either you're a religious institute and, and by definition, not political and have no and are above political influence that's the whole idea behind the 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 religious tax exemption the reason that they're exempt from taxes is because they're theoretically above politics it wouldn't be right it wouldn't be ethical obviously to allow them to not pay taxes if they use their religion as a cover for uh, political reasons right 
That wouldn't be ethical, obviously. Otherwise, all the politicians would just go to the churches and have them do their campaigning for them. You can't do that. So it's one or the other, folks. Pick which one it is. And when your priest starts telling you who to vote for and what's ethically, you know, uh, uh, where politics and morality, you know, cross, that's where you got to hang up the phone. Can't just go along with that. This is that song. Listen to the words. It's about how one guy does something and then you hurt her and she hurts him and she goes and he will miss her. Art Garfunkel on JR. If they ever dropped the bomb you said, I'll find you in the flames. But now we act like people who don't know each other's names. Well, sometimes it makes me sad, you know Sometimes it makes me smile Cause you know how the game goes, honey We all eat it once in a while Scissors cut Paper covers rock breaks the shining scissors. You hurt me, I hurt her, and she goes and he will miss her.
It's not time to make a change. Just relax, take it easy. You're still young, that's your fault. There's so much you have to know. Find a girl, settle down. If you want, you can marry. Look at me. I am old, but I'm happy. Was once like you are now, and I know that it's not easy to be calm when you found something going on. But take your time, think a lot. Why think of everything you've got? For you will still be here tomorrow, but your dreams may not. Explain when I do, he turns away again. It's always been the same, same old story. From the moment I could talk, I was ordered to listen. Now there's a way, and I know that I have to go away. I know I have to go. Your fault. There's so much you have to go through. Find a girl, settle down. If you want, you can marry. Look at me. I am old, but I'm happy. All the times that I've cried, keeping all the things I knew inside. It's hard, but it's harder. Yusuf Islam on Jester Radio. It's Tuesday, February the 26th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Used to go by the name of Cat Stephen, was born uh, Stephen Georgiou in uh, London. And before uh, converting to uh, Islam, uh, had 60 million albums sold around the world back in the uh, 60s. And then uh, right around the time I graduated high school, he converted to Islam, which was, a, you know, everybody thought was really cool. <laughs> and now he's a fucking terrorist. 
Go figure. And yet, you know, there's absolutely no political aspect. You know, a lot of the shit that he did, you know, you go back and listen to. Obviously, you can hear a lot of um, uh, Islamic uh, sentiment. But uh, there's one that has none whatsoever. Just this beautiful dialogue between two people talking past each other, uh, both, you know, kind of frustrated and, and, and dumbfounded by the other's inability uh, to see their point of view. And the kid is, you know, restless and uh, wants to run out there and, you know, start changing the world. And the old man is like, hey, you know, take it slow. What's your problem? Slow down, chill out. And that's just fucking driving the kid more, more bonkers. That's the way it is. And just a beautiful uh, song about that. Art Garfunkel, uh, before that, from the um, uh, the what album? What, what was that album? Watermark. Uh, credible album of uh, all Jimmy Webb tunes, and it was produced by Jimmy Webb, and Jimmy Webb uh, wrote all the arrangements and... And the gorgeous song about uh, how relationships are sort of like uh, dominoes. Scissors cut, paper covers, rock, rock breaks the shining scissors. You hurt her, she hurts him, and he goes, and she will miss him. Everybody's, you know, affecting somebody else. Um, hey, big uh, treat coming up. Uh, we have uh, Latch's uh, yet unreleased uh, new uh, uh, a cut from his uh, uh, brand new album coming out in a couple of weeks. And you're going to get to hear it first right here on Jester Radio before anywhere else. And hopefully uh, we'll get to see, uh, we'll get to talk to Latch uh, live uh, shortly. Uh, maybe when the uh, album is released, he'll make some time. Apparently uh, he's just too busy to pick up the phone and call. It's uh, way too much uh, trouble. I'm sure the other astronauts are calling their mothers, but no. What? Um, get this story. Found this on uh, the Bloomberg uh, uh, website. The uh, dollar has uh, will fall to a record low of a dollar fifty per euro. Or already has, actually, by the end of trading today. Speculation Federal Reserve Chairman Ben S. Bernanke today will indicate the U.S. Central Bank is prepared to keep lowering interest rates. The currency is headed for its second straight monthly decline on expectations. A U.S. government report today will show a drop in new home sales, bolstering the Fed's case for cutting its 3% target for the overnight lending rate between banks. The euro climbed to a six-week high against the yen, as traders bet the European Central Bank will keep its 4% benchmark rate unchanged in coming months. So not only are they betting on the dollar's weakness, but they're betting on the euro's strength. We're going into a new leg of dollar weakness. Tony Morris, a currency strategist in Sydney at Australia and New Zealand Banking Group Limited, Australia's third biggest bank, said in an interview with Jester Radio, the Federal Reserve is sending a pretty clear signal that they need to support growth. U.S. currency touched 1.5047 per euro, the lowest since the European single currency was introduced in 1999, before trading at 1.4991 as of 10, uh, 1046 a.m. in Tokyo. 
And uh, it closed at 1.4974. So there you go. The dollar is at an all-time low. And so, you know, the, the, the strength of the dollar on the world market has a huge influence on the United States' economy for very complicated reasons. The stronger the dollar is, um, the, the better it is for every American. And the fact that in addition to everything else that's been going wrong with this fucking country in the past eight years, the dollar is at an all-time low in the world market. That's fucking scary shit. In more bad economic news, consumer confidence and home prices posted sharp declines, while higher costs for such basics as food, energy, and medicine left wholesale inflation rising at a pace unseen since late 1981. Remember those good old years? The new reports uh, today documented the latest in a series of blows to the economy as a prolonged housing downturn has pushed the country close to a recession. The 1% January jump in wholesale prices was led by a surge in the prices of energy, food, prescription drugs, and followed a report last week that consumer prices had risen by a bigger than expected 0.4% because of price pressures in the same area. Over the past 12 months... Wholesale prices rose by 7.4%, the largest yearly gain since 1981. In the past one year, wholesale prices went up by 7.5%. And, you know, that just gets magnified at the retail level. Wholesale prices are frequently doubled by the time they get to retail. So that means that your prices are going up 15%. So it's, it's looking really bad out there. Time to, uh, you know, f figure out what you're going to do for a backup plan. Meanwhile, Pakistan said today that it's uh, lifted a ban on YouTube after the website removed cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad, adding that an earlier worldwide outage sparked by its actions was unintentional. You may recall yesterday we reported that the uh, head of Pakistan ordered the national ISP to block YouTube, and the only way they could figure out how to do it was to spoof the YouTube's block of IP addresses, thereby stealing all of YouTube's traffic. Every time somebody typed in YouTube for two hours yesterday, it was routed to Pakistan, where it went to a fucking dead end. Telecommunications officials said AFP that the popular website was up and running again in the conservative Muslim nation after YouTube removed highly profane and sacrilegious footage that was offensive to Islam. We have issued instructions to all Internet service providers that YouTube should be unblocked as the specific content has been removed by the website. Pakistan Telecommunications Authority spokesman Kuram Meron told AFP. YouTube was not immediately available to confirm whether it had removed the material, which the PTA said was controversial cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad that were republished by Danish newspapers earlier this month. Authorities ordered the blocking of the website all uh, during the weekend in protest at what it said was blasphemous material, but the move prompted worldwide problems with access for a few hours. YouTube said yesterday that an internet service provider complying with Pakistan's ban on the website routed many worldwide users to nowhere for a couple of hours over the weekend. 
This was not intentional. It might have happened when an international company, which is routing Internet traffic to Pakistan, tried to block the specific web address. So that's a lot of jibber-jabber. What, in fact, they did was they used a protocol that's built into TCPIP to broadcast the range of IP addresses that they control saying to everybody in the world all traffic that's you know requested at the, at that range of ip addresses should be routed here to me it's uh it's a flaw in the um in the system let me tell you and now that all the fucking script kiddies know about it we're going to see a lot more of this um you know uh, what the hackers called owning of uh blocks of websites Mark my words. Mark them. 646-502-8600. Give us a call. Don't be shy. 646-502-8600. You could also Skype in to um, Jester Radio. Uh, this is an interesting story. We, um, If you're one of these people that drink Starbucks, I can't fucking stomach Starbucks coffee. It makes me sick. It's that uh, French roast... It's like burnt, and I drink coffee black, and people who drink coffee black actually like the taste of coffee, not this like terrible burnt taste. The reason they burn it is so that the coffee is so much nastier and stronger so that it could survive with the quarter cup of cream and you know uh, uh, 30 tablespoons of sugar that most people put in their coffee. But when you just drink it black, Starbucks is fucking mud. But get this, Starbucks is closing its doors uh, at uh, all 7,100 stores across America for a brief barista re-education. CEO Howard Schultz announced the three-hour closure starting at 5.30 p.m. local time today to energize 135,000 employees. He wants the baristas to share their passion for making espresso, or so he says, to pull the perfect shot steam milk to order and customize their favorite beverage. These people really have like a culture going there. They they see themselves, they call themselves baristas. And then it's always a riot when I see this on people's resumes that they say, "Oh, this uh, they're a bar- you know, they were a barista." I'm like, "What do you mean? You fucking poured coffee? That's your you put that on down as a barista? What does even that mean, barista? Is that like a bartender?" Since the chairman returned as CEO in January, he's been making changes to revive Starbucks growth. Rival Dunkin' Donuts saying it wants to ensure that no coffee lover is denied a delicious espresso-based beverage will sell small lattes and other drinks for 99 cents till 10 p.m. today. (laughs) So they jumped right into that fray. They said, if you need your coffee, come here. We got your latte. Don't worry about it. 99 cents. So that you can learn about how the Dunkin' Donuts is good. And by the way, speaking of Dunkin' Donuts, there is really no finer cup of joe in America today. I shit you not. And I stand behind this. I'm a fucking big coffee drinker. And I get two pounds of Dunkin' Donuts whole bean coffee delivered to me every month by prescription. Because the even the thought of waking up in the morning without my Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and I have this coffee machine that first you pour the whole beans in and it grinds up the beans and then fucking dumps it in the hopper and then brews the coffee all in one shtick locking. It's like a Rube Goldberg. 
you throw in the coffee and you walk away and there's a noise and there's a rattling and a gurgling and you come back later, it's like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It like lets out a fart and like all these different noises and you got the best fucking cup of joe in America, man, I'm telling you. Uh, you know, and they're not paying me to say this. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, you know about these uh, uh, Olympics they're doing in uh, China coming up here? Well, we've been doing a lot of stories about uh, that and how the Chinese are doing all kinds of wacky shit. They're like diverting a river, which is like going to make like millions of people in the country starve and, you know, ruin their lives. But they're like, you know, too bad it's for the Olympics, you know. So they're doing all kinds of weird shit. But here's an interesting story we found on Breitbart. Uh, as athletes train for the Summer Olympics in China, a new book claims that the country's vast spy network is gearing up for a different challenge, keeping an eye on journalists and potential troublemakers. Think about it. They got this super secret program going on behind the curtain where they're going to be fucking super spying on everybody. And uh, you may remember that fiasco years back when the Russians helped the Americans build their embassy, and it turned out the place was riddled with bugs. So can you imagine what these hotel rooms are going to be? There's going to be fucking China cams on everything. French writer Ro uh, Roger Falgo, author of some 40 intelligence-related books, has penned the Chinese secret services from Mao to the Olympic Games. Due out on February 29th, his findings claim that special teams are being formed at the country's embassies abroad to identify sports journalists and to, uh, to define um, if they have an antagonistic or friendly attitude in regards to China. Potential foreign spies who may seek to enter China by posing as journalists or visitors will be suspect, uh, subject to special surveillance. You know what that means. They're going to be followed around by like a whole little clump of Chinamen the whole time they're there. The same goes for human rights activists who could use the event to demonstrate in favor of causes such as Tibet, where China has violently crushed protests against its rule. It says, uh, that's not to mention the long list of other issues preoccupying Chinese authorities, including the possibility of an al-Qaeda attack and protests from the Falun Gong, who are their own homegrown wacko movement. China has outlawed, uh, outlawed Falun Gong, which uh, combines meditation uh, and uh, Buddhist-inspired teachings with mass murder. The watchword for the Chinese is no problems at the Olympics. Uh, Falgo, who's fluent in Mandarin, says he spoke with numerous uh, Chinamen. According to him, two million Chinese work directly or indirectly for the intelligence services. Two million Chinamen working for the fucking spies. In a chapter titled China Gold Medal for Espionage, the author says the director of the group coordinating Olympic security um, uh, his name is Quang Well has a $1.3 billion budget. So they got all the fucking little uh, China cams in every buttonhole, in every closet. An Olympic Security Command Center has been created in order to assure a response to all risks in real time. Olympic organizers admitted last year to budget overruns caused by extra expenditure on security at the Games, the biggest international event uh, ever staged in uh, communist China. We're going to keep our eyes so peeled on what's going on over there. 
So here we go. This is um, an amazing uh, 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 preview we have here. This is from Latch's new album, which is due out in just a couple of weeks. And this is the first cut on the first album. It's an awesome new tune called Egg. And you heard it here first on Jest Radio.
mother. Do you remember me? Hi. Mom, hi. I, I was just going to call you. Is, is that a funny Arthur, thing? You know that I had my hand Arthur, on the phone. You were to supposed call. to call yeah. me last Friday. Uh, Mother, darling, I just didn't have a second and you I could cut have my a throat. Second. I was so busy. Arthur, I was, sat I, oh, by I that phone I know. I know. all day Friday. It was just work, work, work. And, and all darling, day Friday night. I, I kept thinking, I got to call Mom. All day Dear, Saturday. Oh, listen, believe and all me. All day Sunday. I, and oh, your father felt, said to me, Phyllis, eat something. You'll faint. Darling. I said, no, Harry, no. I don't want my mouth to be full when my son called me. Mom. He never called. Mother, I was sending up Vanguard. I didn't have a second. Well, it's always something, isn't it? Okay, honey. You know, Arthur, I'm sure that all the other scientists there have mothers. You know? And I'm sure that they all find time after their breakfast or before their count-off... Down. ...to pick up a phone and call their mother. Honey, listen, now you have you me on the phone. you know how I worry. Well, I do, that's the point. I that's read in the I... paper how you keep losing them. Mother! <laughs> I don't lose them. Well, I nearly went out of my mind. Okay, honey, I thought, what if they're taking it out of his pay? Write me a letter, right, that's that's so hard? Okay. I'm your mother. Right, mother, look, darling, please, I'll send honey, you Mom, to dear, so please, don't, just tell me how you that's are, so Mom. Hard. Tell me how you are. How are you? I'm sick. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to hear it. I really am. What's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> you know what it is, honey. Yeah. It's the yeah. same thing it's always been. Yeah, sure, yeah. It's yeah. my nerves. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I went to the doctor. Yeah. And, uh, he told me yeah. right out. Yeah. He said, yeah. uh, listen, Mrs. White, yeah. Yeah. who yeah. are you fooling? Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. You are a yeah. very nervous, yeah. Yeah. very yeah. high-strung yeah. woman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, God knows that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you cannot stand yeah. the slightest aggravation. Well, yeah, sure, well, yeah. yeah. I said, doctor, yeah. I know that. Yeah. I know that's true. I said, but you see, doctor, uh-huh. I, uh, uh-huh. I have this son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, he is. It's the truth. The boy is not lying. He is. He's very busy. You see, doctor, he's too busy to pick up a phone and call his mother. Honey, listen, Mom, well, dear, Arthur, I want you to tell... Well, when I said Mom... that to him, that man turned pale. Right, dear, Mom... He Mom. said, Mrs. White, Mom. I have been a doctor for 35 years, right. and I've never heard of a son too busy to call his mother. Right, Mom, dear, That's listen... That's just I... what he said to me, Arthur. I know, honey, I want to... And wanna... that man is a doctor. Uh, <laughs> Mom, mother, please, dear... I, will, will you just tell me, what, what did the doctor say they're going to do with you? Well... I may be in the hospital for a while, so, uh... The hospital? Yes, the hospital. Well, but what are they going to do? Well, they'll x-ray my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> Mother, why didn't you let me know? All you had to now, do honey, was drop... Well, I was going to aggravate yourself. I wouldn't have brought it up. How can I aggravate myself? It's a little tiny... It's nothing. Right. Forget it. How's your hangnail? All right. <laughs> Mother, yes. please, just don't worry. Arthur... What does that mean? Honey, what does that mean, don't worry? Nothing, actually. I don't know. I just <laughs> said the first thing that came into my head. It was a, a Arthur, mistake. listen uh, to me. I'm a mother. Yeah, well, that's the thing, you know. I, I should have realized What's and I didn't. What's the use of no, talking, you know? No, I'm sorry. No, no you're I'm... very young. Well, I... Someday, 
Someday, Arthur, Mom. you'll get married. Mom. And you'll have children of your own. Mom. And honey, when you do, I only pray that they make you suffer the way you're making me. <laughs> That's all I pray, Arthur. That's a mother's prayer. <laughs> Okay, Mom, thanks for calling. You're very sarcastic. Mother, I'm doing my best now. You called me on the telephone. I right, tried right, to explain right, to you don't how... Don't hit me. I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I'm sorry that I bothered you. And look, I hope I didn't make you feel bad. Are you kidding? I feel awful. Oh, honey, if I could believe that, I'd be the happiest mother in the world. Oh, Mother, it's true. What do you think? I feel crummy. Arthur, honey, why don't you call me, sweetheart? Look, you know, Arthur, I know that I nag you, you know? I'm, listen, I'm a nagging mother. What are you going to do? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> honey, you know, you're my baby. And Arthur, you're the only baby I've got. And, honey, no matter how old you get, to, when you get to be 80 years old, you're going to be my baby, you know? And, and when you don't call me, sweetheart, I, I can't help it. I worry. So is that so hard to pick up a phone and call your mommy? Please, baby, please. Yeah, well, I will, I promise. You say it, and then no, you really, really promise. Will, I promise. Well, then you make your mommy so well, happy. If mommy's happy, then he's happy. <laughs> okay, mommy. And mommy wants to wish you lots of luck with your rocket. Thank you, mommy. And remember, Dad, I love you. I love you too, mommy. Goodbye, baby. Goodbye, mommy. Nani, nuni, nani, nuni. times when I was young And of course there was much fun We'd travel this land like the sun I went to all kinds of places Singing for many faces But my memory traces just one With a harmony sound we rang sang round with a song in my heart just for you just for you just for you there were plenty of nights I spent walking your town streets with thoughts of my love on my mind in the daylight I Riding down your old highway To live just one day at a time With a harmony sound We rang true, we sang round With 
the song in my heart just for you Just for you Just for you And then we came on the crossroads And we sang our might have been songs Yes we did Well these days they're all gone But these memories live on And I wish you God's safekeeping friend Maybe someday our roads will lead home and we'll meet there We'll strike up a tune once again With that harmonious sound we rang true we sang round With a song in my heart just for you Just for you Just for you Ah, man, Dion DeMooch on Jester Radio with his stirring tribute to uh, the old uh, fellas on Belmont Street, where it all began. You're tuned into the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. We started that uh, set with an amazing, amazing new tune from Latch, which features um, a stunning lyric about uh, being born and uh, being, you know, uh, intimidated by your own uh, power when you first start out. And um, it's called Egg, and uh, it's from an uh, upcoming album. So you heard it here first on Jester Radio. And we'll keep you posted. Hopefully we'll get Latch uh, live on the air um, when the uh, album is released. We heard from Nichols and May uh, in between there with the uh, mother and son um, bit. And we did that because we we did the joke. I did the joke before in this previous set about how why doesn't he call his mother because Latch has been avoiding calling in because he's been very busy. And he's obviously too busy to pick up the phone. That's all I was saying. And... Um, I also wanted to mention it was also a, a, a nice compliment to the father and son tune we played earlier by Cat Stevens, which a couple of folks have IM'd in and asked, what's up with the Cat Stevens? We don't normally play a lot of Cat Stevens now that he's a terrorist, but um, we did the story about tuberculosis, and of course, Cat Stevens, when he was 19 years old, uh, back in 1968, contracted uh, TB, and uh, this is when he became, uh, he, this is when he had his spiritual awakening and then and and generated like 40 tunes from this experience that went on to you know populate the next you know four or five albums and uh, just had this incredible uh, surge i mean the guy was incredibly pr prolific and um and interesting and uh, there were some things about him that were a little irritating. You know, he played that uh, funky guitar, you know, the one with the plastic on the back, the Ovation, which has a kind of a funky, tinny, rink-a-dink kind of sound, but he pulled it off. He had a great voice. And my God, those tunes, Wild World and, and, and uh, you know, uh, what did he do? He did a lot of songs. He had a lot of hits. Wild Woman, I mean, Hard-Headed Woman, 
you know, the the T for the Tillman album. The T for the Tillman album was number 206 in Rolling Stone's uh, 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. Morning Has Broken, Peace Train, Moonshadow, uh, all, you know, huge hits. And then uh, a lot of these songs turned up in 1971 in the movie Harold and Maud, which increased his audience, uh, you know, exponentially. And then he came out with Catch Bullet 4 in 1972, which was, you know, the greatest thing. It was his magnum opus, the greatest thing he ever did. And it had, you know, Sweet Scarlet and Sitting and uh, Can't Keep It In and Okaratas, which was, you know, uh, translated into the Greek for him. So it's a lot of introspective, interesting stuff, not quite yet. Islamic, although there is a song on the album called The Boy with the Moon and Star on His Head, which is a sort of interesting kind of fictionalization of the story of Muhammad. Gardner's daughter stopped me on my way on the day I was to wed. It is you whom I wish to share my body with, she said. And so we lay under the stars with the, with, under, on the grass with the stars for the, with the flowers for a bed. And for my joy, I will give you a boy with the moon and star on his head. And we know the moon and the crescent moon and the star are the symbols of uh, Islam. It was really a very cool, uh, fascinating lyric. Who knew that it would portend, you know, him becoming a terrorist? Montgomery County authorities say a man stabbed his brother-in-law during an argument over who should get the Democratic nomination for president. What's more, Jose Ortiz, who's charged with the felony assault, uh, is a registered Republican. (laughs) (laughs) District Attorney uh, Rosa Forbin said that Ortiz supports Hillary Clinton and Sean... Sherald supports Barack Obama. This is how what I'm talking about. There's not even the Republicans are arguing over which Democrat because nobody's going to vote Republican. She told reporters today. Uh, John McCain was saying we we reported at the beginning of the show that uh, uh, um, you know it's great that uh, we're we're you know we're having this debate about uh, uh, ending the war in Iraq because now things are going so well we're going to win the country over to our side. Who the fuck believes that? Uh, she, uh, this Reza Furman uh, says that she told reporters yesterday that she got um, t- um, the uh, two uh, got into an argument in a Collegeville, Pennsylvania home Thursday night, and Sheryls tried to choke Ortiz. She said Ortiz then stabbed Sheryls in the abdomen. Sheryls was taken to a hospital in critical condition, but is expected to recover. Phew! I'm just getting in. Yes, yes. Sheryls is expected to recover. Dayton police and the U.S. Marshals called for backup from an animal control when they found two alligators instead of the suspected probation violator that they were after. Deputy U.S. Marshal Joshua Hillard said the authorities went to a home on Monday morning in Dayton, Ohio, with an arrest warrant for a man accused of violating his probation in a drug trafficking case. Hillard said people at the house said the suspect wasn't home, but come on in. <laughs> Uh, that's when they found the alligators, one about two feet long, the other about five feet. Animal control was summoned, and an exotic animal expert arrived to snatch up the reptiles. Hillard said the man was braver than he was. He said authorities also confiscated cocaine, tablets, marijuana, and a pair of guns. Now, let me tell you something. I have been taking drugs for a long time. You understand what I'm saying? Going on 40 years. 
Some circles, I may be considered a professional drug taker. You hear what I'm saying? And in all my years and all my vast experience, and I've taken some exotic drugs too, like psilocybin and some weird-ass shit. Uh, you know, battle nuts. But let me tell you something. And also this weird-ass um, uh, Egyptian uh, hallucinogenic that makes you see uh, uh, large house cats. But I, in all my experience, have never heard of cocaine tablets. That's a fucking new one on me. If they're, if they're pressing cocaine into tablets now, I got to tell you, I'm going to be making some phone calls tomorrow. Maxim Magazine has apologized for publishing a negative review of the Black Crow's new album by a writer who apparently hadn't listened to the whole CD. The review in Maxim's Marsh issue give the Crow's War Paint a rating of two and a half stars out of five. The BAM uh, posted an exasperated statement on its website last week saying that the Maxim writer hadn't heard the entire album because advanced copies weren't available. The Crow's manager... Pete Angela said the magazine explained that its review was an educated guess. There you go. They're not doing reviews anymore. <laughs> They're just telling you what's probably going to be. So that's why you're paying for the magazine, for them to tell you how the album's probably going to sound. Maxim Editorial Director James Kaminsky responded today with his statement, quote, it is Maxim's editorial policy to assign star ratings only to those albums that have been heard in their entirety. Unfortunately, that policy was not followed in the March 2008 issue of our magazine, and we apologize to our readers. The spokeswoman for the magazine contacted by Jest Radio declined to say whether the writer would face disciplinary action. Warpaint, the uh, Black Crow's first album in seven years, is set for release on March 4th. The blues rock group fronted by Chris Robinson has released only one song, from the disc called Goodbye Daughters of the Revolution. The band's hits, uh, of course, include Hard to Handle and She Talks to Angels. Hmm. A court filing says Michael Jackson's Neverland Ranch will be put up for sale at a public auction next, next month unless the pop star pays the more than $24 million he still owes on the property. Financial title, he's going to go start going shaking down those kids that he molested for some of that money back. Because for a while there, he was handing it out like uh, like uh, hot cake. Financial title company filed the notice of trustee sale with the Santa Barbara County Superior Court today, setting the auction date for March 19th. The spokeswoman for Jackson did not immediately return a call for comment, nor will she ever. We have a note here. Somebody scrawled. An employee of an Auburn nursing home called the uh, firefighters for help um, uh, today because the toilets were exploding with steam. <laughs> Man, I can you imagine sitting on a fucking toilet and a burst of steam comes up and fucking fr and 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 fucking flash fries your nuts? The fire department said that it was a boiler malfunction at Regency Auburn Rehabilitation Center in Washington. That caused minor explosion. The blast set off the sprinkler system, flooded the floors of the three-story building. The Valley Regional Fire Authority said no one was hurt, but that there were some cases of, of uh, flash-fried testicles and water-damaged electrical systems in the kitchen. Seventy-two occupants had to be temporarily moved to other rehabilitation facilities using ambulances, buses, and vans. The home was formerly known as the Life Care Center of Auburn. So if you know anybody over there, 
you may want to ring them up and see how the, you know, how their balls are. Police arrested a suspect less than half an hour after a bank robbery in Port Townsend, Washington, thanks to witnesses who pointed to the apartment building where he went into after robbing the bank. The guy robbed the bank across the street <laughs> from his fucking house. Police arrested the 40-year-old man in his apartment building yesterday and recovered the money taken from the Kitsap Bank branch. Sergeant Ed Green said witnesses thought it was odd. When they watched the man uh, pull a stocking over his head before the heist, and then a half a dozen point, uh, people pointed to the apartment building and said he went in there. Which way did he go? Finally this evening, uh, Victoria has no secrets in uh, the Polish town of Apatowak, Poland. It's an exhibition that's making some Poles do a double take. The Museum of Industry in Apatowak has chronicled the evolution of women's underwear from the knee-length knickers and tight corsets of the early 20th century to the skimpy things of today. Now, you know, you think to yourself, guys ordinarily think of sex like, what, every 7 to 12 seconds, right? And here I am doing a story about women's underwear. It's going to make you start thinking. You can't help but think. So here I am. I'm just talking about the various stages of ladies' undergarments starting and I'm reading the story, and it starts back from the knickers, the knee-length knickers, and I think to myself, that's hot. <laughs> and then I think tight corsets, and I go, oh, those are hot. And then the skimpy thongs of today, and I think, you know what? Those are hot. So it really is just, uh, they can be pretty much dressed from the, from the top of their forehead down to the bottom of their heels and still be hot. Go figure. Undergarments were pretty much kept well out of sight in the old days, said Uwe Saranska, curator of the Central Textile Museum in Lutz, which coincidentally Jester's grandmother was from, and which loaned 140 items to the exhibit called From Pantaloons to G-Strings. At the beginning, man, do I love that name. How much to go to uh, Lutz this time of year? Can't be expensive, right? Just so happens I was once in Lutz a long time ago, maybe 20 years ago. And man, it's a, it's a gray place. At the beginning of the 20th century, you couldn't show them at all. And later, only a little bit, uh, whereas now they're everywhere, she added. Female underwear evolved as women's role in society changed. The frumpy drawers of the early 20th century gave way to the more modern styles of the 1920s, including garter belts to hold up the stockings uh, of women entering the workplace. Hot dog, man. The garter belts, those are hot. Hey, you're on the air with uh, the jester. Who's calling? Hey, I just want to hear more about your grandma's underwear. What? What the? Who the? I was getting hot over here about grandma's underwear. All right, don't talk about my grandmother. You told me to get hot. So what's going on, bud? Uh, Well, it was real tough getting through tonight. Yeah, well, I wasn't uh, paying attention, honestly. The phones were ringing off the hook, and uh, I just didn't have time to get to them. All right. That's just the problem. I'll tell you to take your uh, medicine and uh, get some sleep. All right, thanks, buddy. Bye. The uh, Among the notable items on display um, in the town, 150 miles east of Warsaw, is a white garter belt with pink hearts and clasps to attach to silk stockings, a style popular before the pantyhose were developed in the 1960s. Boo. And that was a dark day 
for uh, semi clad women everywhere was with the time they came up with those. And let me tell you, man, back in those days, I used to work in a clothing store on Long Island as a stock boy. And the Jeff worked as the stock girl at the time. Because we did the, we did this thing where we went around to different jobs. I would go, and she would, and she would follow me there, and she would go somewhere, and I would follow there. And um, I guess I was about fifteen or sixteen years old, and she kept coming back into the stock room. She had to go and t- pick up the clothes that the women wore, and put them back on the rack in the clothing store. And she did it in this dressing room. The dressing room was this big, huge communal room. It's not like it is now with uh, booths. It's five or six or eight or ten naked women standing around and this stock girl running around inside picking up their clothes after they take them off. And when, so if that's not beyond hot, to, you know, but of course the women, at least from Jeff's perspective, they were all monstrous and she would come back into the stock room and tell me these stories and the most vivid of them was that the women didn't fucking wear underwear. They pulled their fucking pantyhose up and they used pantyhose as their underwear. And she said they're fucking disgusting mashed pussies, man. It was the most disgusting. I mean, you know, you, you can't even imagine something so potentially hot being, like, uh, destroyed. <laughs> I think she was trying to uh, put out the ideas that were in my head and replace them with these disgusting images and she would talk about how they were like the pussies were mashed up and she could see them through the fucking pantyhose because pantyhose are not real panties apparently the top part of it is like this sheer material that's meant to go over a real pair of panties you see i as a result i know much more about women's undergarments than any red-blooded american male should In the 1980s, when Poland's then-communist regime was staggering from one political and economic crisis to the next, so-called Tidgana Whiskey, which came in packs of seven, a pair for each day of the week, were the standard cotton undies for women. The exhibition, which opened in January and runs to the end of March, is sprinkled with a few items of male clothing, including boxer shorts, robes, and a jockstrap from the 1930s. Just to just to get your you know like your dick to calm down. By the time you get to the end of this exhibit, every guy must have a fucking raging boner. Male underwear has changed little over the years. The vast majority of the collection is made up of what was once known as women's unmentionables. When people came to see the exhibit after it opened, it caused a range of different reactions. Said museum curator Iwa Cleese. But these items are so uh, historical, uh, this is a serious exhibit. Serious as it may be, it's also proved entertaining. It's great, said Claudia Kipa, who's 15 years old, who visited the museum with her high school classmates. you imagine in Poland they bring the kids to the underwear museum? What the fuck kind of country is this? <laughs> what the fuck? You're just not, man, they apparently don't have a problem with the religious right over there. You're just not learning about art or something you could read about in a history textbook, but something that's important and well every day, she said. And you couldn't learn about that in a book. The underwear did generate a fair amount of giggling among three other groups of students that visited the museum on Valentine's Day. Other visitors, however, tend to take different spin on things. They want to see some things they aren't familiar with or remember items that once were, Cleese said. Sometimes they say, ooh, I used to wear that, or ugh. 
Those were horribly uncomfortable. A frequent source of, source of such memories? A magenta nylon nightgown with pink frills around the chest. Those were terrible, Clee said with a laugh. Women hated wearing those things. And where does underwear style go next? Clee's looked around the room and shrugged. Oh, I don't know what'll come next, she said with a laugh. Maybe a return to what we wore before underwear. Nothing. Now you're talking. That's the hottest thing of all. Holy crap. It's all hot. If there's a naked woman somewhere involved in it, it's hot. You've been listening to the Ravings of a Clown this uh, Tuesday, uh, February the 26th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Cannot thank you enough for stopping by. These are the best two hours of my day, and I hope that uh, they're good for you, too. Please remember, be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions, and always do your best. And we will meet in that place where darkness never comes. Until that time, Eustace, I looked into a house that I once lived in around the time I first went on my own, when the roads were as many as the places I had dreamed of, and my friends and I were one. And now the distance is done, and the search has begun, and I've come to see where my beginnings have gone. I'll leave you in the good hands of Jackson Brown. Good night. See you tomorrow. Well, I looked into a house I once lived in Around the time I first went on my own When the roads were as many as the places I had dreamed of and my friends and I were one Now the distance is done And the search has begun I've come to see where my beginnings have gone All oh, the walls and the windows were still standing And the music could be heard at the door Where the people who kindly endured my odd questions Asked if I came very far And when my silence replied They took me inside Where their children sat playing on the floor Where we spoke of the changes That would find us farther on And it left me so warm and so high But as I stepped back outside to Morning sun, I heard that highway whisper inside. Are you ready to fly? And I looked into the faces all passing by. It's an ocean that will never be filled, and the house that grows older and finally crumbles that even love. It's a hotel at best, you're here as a guest You ought to make yourself at home while you're waiting for the rest Well, I looked into the dream of the millions That one day the search will be through Now here I stand at the 
embattled illusions looking into you. That's true. 